Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In this episode of Boss File. What's got us to 130 years of success is not going to take us on the next 130 years. Okay. The new CEO of Coca-Cola, James Quincy taking the reins of the storied American brand, why he says the company needs to take more risks and move faster. We're trying to be more than a soda company. Uh, I think it's about the and. I mean, Coke, the brand, is still the the largest beverage brand, actually one of the largest food and beverage brands of all. Yeah. Uh, And I think it it will be for a very long time and be the heart and the soul of the company, but we can be much more, and so it's an and. Plus, the role he thinks Coke must play in the obesity fight. And sugar-free, why Coke is betting more and more on no sugar and on water. Also, what Coke's biggest shareholder, Warren Buffett, asked him when the two met for the first time. Here's my conversation with the CEO of Coca-Cola, James Quincy. James Quincy, pleasure to meet you and thank you for being with us. Pleasure to be here, thank you. You have a big job taking the helm of Coke at a really important time for the company. We're going to get into the news and the announcement today in just a moment, but first... This is a company that Warren Buffett, uh, Berkshire, the biggest single shareholder, 400 million shares. This guy knows about Coke. He once said famously in jest, a ham sandwich could run Coca-Cola. I think that's not the case, especially right now. What is it like to run Coke today? Uh, You know, it's a huge organization. I think one can get distracted by the fact we're in 200 countries. There's a lot going on in the world. Uh, So my job as the CEO is to help people stay focused on the big issues of the day, help stay focused on how are we going to grow and what are the platforms that are going to drive that uh, in this volatile world. And I think that's what leadership is all about. Is this the biggest inflection point that Coke has had, moment of change, sea change moment, if you will, in the past few decades, would you say? I think almost every generation of leaders at Coke has faced a big challenge. There's whether you look at the way media has changed over the 130 years. It was it was print, then it was radio, then it's TV, then it's social. Uh, The way the packaging has changed, the way that portfolio is now changing. So I think we're the new generation leaders, and we have our set of challenges. But you have said, look, our portfolio has to look, and these are your words, radically different in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a realization that what's got us to 130 years of success is not going to take us on the next 130 okay. years. As the world develops, as economies grow, as the world urbanizes, people still want to enjoy beverages. Actually, each year they spend more on beverages, but they want choice. They don't want to do as uh, famously Warren does, drink the same thing almost all day long. <laughs> uh, they want a variety of drinks, and that's what we've got to pay right. attention to. I mean, to. you guys wouldn't have to change if it was just Warren Buffett and the president right? Drinking (laughs) cherry Coke for Warren Buffett, Diet Coke for the president. But that's not the reality of especially young generations today. And we'll get into that momentarily. One thing that struck me is that you said to this company when you were promoted from COO to CEO, please have a bigger appetite of risk. 
why? Why more risky? Well, I think partly I'm pushing against what is a natural institutional trend. Any large company, government, any organization is going to tend to become risk adverse over time as it becomes longer lived and Bigger more and successful. Older. Bigger and older. Therefore, you've got to push against it as the CEO. You've got to keep driving uh, for people to look outside and see what's happening to the consumer, what's happening to the customers. Take more risk because in the end, if they don't, you, you tend to retreat. Mm. So my job is to keep pushing forward. And that is what Warren Buffett has famously said. Companies that fail or stumble, it's because of complacency. Uh, absolutely. They, they go to sleep at the wheel. Were, uh, was Coke doing that? Was no, Coke being I just, complacent? I just think we've just got, you know, that, that we've got to fight against that natural trend of, mm-hmm. of kind of moving backwards and being defensive when you're big. Plus, we want to get into more beverages. So th- that's why we're pushing really hard on the culture. Stay curious. Uh, be empowered. Take action. Don't wait for head office to say something. Be inclusive. You realize you're saying don't wait for the okay from me, the CEO. Yeah, I've said okay. that to people. Uh, you've also said you want Coca-Cola to adopt the, in your words, mentality of a technology company. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I think when we were, when we were polishing and making better one brand, the Coca-Cola brand, we sought to try and have everything be perfect before we did something. Mm. But in this fast-moving world, trying to do many more things, we can't afford that luxury. We've got to experiment, which means learning from the tech industry, the 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. Don't make it perfect. Get something out there. Learn mm. and make it better. They have a little more room for failure than you guys do, but I, but I hear you. All right, <laughs> so we're going to jump into all of that in a moment, but let's get to today's news. A big announcement on recycling Uh, responsibility to the environment from Coke today. This is a world without waste. That's the initiative that you're calling it. What is this? What will happen? Well, we've simply put, we want to get to a world without waste. So we want to collect back from the marketplace every bottle and can or the equivalent of every bottle and can that we have sold. Uh, We've done a lot of work to make all our plastic bottles recyclable. Mm -hmm. We're investing in technology to be able to reuse them. But what we need to do is collect them. How do you do that? I mean, how many bottles do you guys have out there? We have over 120 billion each year. It's the equivalent of we need every person in the world to give back two bottles a month. That's what we need to collect back. Now, it won't be the same solution in every country. And some parts of the world are already better. We're already at over 70% in Europe. Even in places like Mexico, we've gone from almost nothing to over 50 in the last 10, 15 Mm -hmm. years. But the solutions are different. And we we need to work with governments and industry and other partners to get it done. But it can be done. How do you hold all these parties accountable, James? Because ultimately, from what I've read and heard from your team, this is very personal for you. That's why you, the CEO, are out here in front of this announcement. How, How do you hold those parties accountable to make sure it actually happens? I think actually, you know, in the end, it it shouldn't be seen just as I'm very personally involved, very committed to it, but it shouldn't be seen as just the CEO's initiative. I think it's very galvanizing for our employees and everyone who works in the system. They all want to see a world without waste and therefore we'll all hold ourselves accountable. So what are the metrics you're going to measure in what, five years from now or so? We're going to measure how many bottles and cans are we collecting and our goal is Get one back for every one we sell by 2030. And you can get those numbers from the different recycling entities? And it's, it's not always easy, but we need to invest can, to make sure it's done. So was this pushed by consumers, shareholders? Was there a demand for this? I think there's, there's clearly a demand. You know, waste, waste bottles are getting into the wrong places. Uh, as I said, we've had a journey to try and make things more recyclable because things were going to landfill and not being reused. Yeah. 
Now that we've got that, we've got to collect the bottles. You see the disturbing images in the oceans. We work with a lot of NGOs to try and improve that. Uh, and I think it's just the time now to set a bold ambition. So as you know, there's been some pushback this morning from Greenpeace. So let's go through that piece by piece and, and get your response. So Greenpeace came out slamming this, th- their words slamming. They said that, that the company Coca-Cola is dodging the main issue. They say that, that you're failing to address the urgency of the public pollution issue. They talked about no reduction outlined in this plan of the single, you know, bottles, uh, plastic bottles. They, they note $110 billion per year. What's your response to them? I don't sure they completely grasped everything we're saying okay. today. Um, I know they're very focused on single use, but if we get what I'm talking about right, there will be no single use bottles. So I, I think we're not as far apart as they, they're, they're what saying. What does that mean, no single use well, bottles? Because what single use means is you, you, you drink it once and you throw it away and put it in the landfill and, and if it goes wrong, it ends up in the ocean. No, if we collect them all, they'll either all be melted down or chopped up and reused in more things, whether it's new bottles or bumpers on cars or whatever. So in fact, there never will be, once we succeed, a single use bottle again. So they say... Coca-Cola is trying to offset its huge plastic footprint by investing in a bit more recycling. No. And they're Incorrect. wrong. They're wrong. Incorrect. We, we have already made all our bottlers recyclable. We're going to invest ourselves with partners, with governments, with NGOs to collect the equivalent of everything we're putting in the marketplace. Not a bit more, all of it. Okay. And then it'll be reused. And I think when we get there in 2030, uh, we will stop there being a future problem. Now, we need to work to help clean up the oceans and the, the, the problems from yesterday that are already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's absolutely doable. And I think it's exciting. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot of energy and a lot of industry partners come together to make this happen. Let's talk about Coke and the culture. When you took this position, you said the company's culture is not where I want it to be. Where do you want it to be? I, I, want, it, I want it to evolve in one very specific area, which is kind of back to our, our thoughts on innovation and risk taking. Uh, we need to continue to drive to be externally focused, to stay curious about what's happening with the consumer, what's happening with the customer, you know, being empowered. We talked about not waiting for the head office. There's way less things prohibited than people actually think. Mm. Be inclusive. Get ideas from everyone. We might have already tried that somewhere else. And the 1.0, 2.0. That's where the culture needs to be pushed. And the product. And you talk about being a total beverage company. You, 70% of Coca-Cola's business is still sodas. But if you look at the numbers across the board, soda sales across the board, you and all your competitors have fallen to a 31-year low. My generation, those younger than me, want to drink things other than soda. This is a huge change for the company. One headline I wrote re- uh, read recently that, that sparked my interest, Coca-Cola is trying really hard not to be a soda company. <laughs> True? We're trying to be more than a soda company. Uh, I think it's about the and. I mean, Coke, the brand, is still the, the largest beverage brand, actually one of the largest food and beverage brands of all. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, it will be for a very long time and be the heart and the soul of the company. But we can be much more. And so it's an and. So what's that turnaround like? You're, I've, everything I've read, you're a fan of speed. You want things to happen really quickly. Look what you're doing with Diet Coke right now. Those sales have been suffering for a while. You're coming out with like ginger twist and mango <laughs> this. I mean, you're doing all of these different things. It may or may not work, but you're saying go fast and go bold. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been very, as you say, we've been very bold. We just launched some Diet Coke flavors, which if you haven't tried them, they're great. Personal favorite is the Zesty Blood Orange. There you go. Very good. I recommend it. But we've got, we've got to try things. Not all of them will work. Uh, and we don't, need to, we don't need to get too upset when we have failures. We need to move, learn, move on, and reinvent. And that way, I think we can invigorate 
and keep the revenue from sparkling beverages growing globally whilst also getting into these other categories. This is so different than, and you've said we need to be more entrepreneurial, this is so different than go back decades to what, what has become famously known, you guys talk and write about it a lot, the new Coke syndrome. Like, so scared after that launch and reformulation didn't work to then take these risks. And you're saying, no, 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 go, go back, it, in essence, take these risks, and if they don't all work, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the new Coke thing was, was, was a, a business case study and uh, probably will be for a very long time. I think I was three, but yes. I mean, but in the ago. end, it was a failure that turned into success because they really mm. understood what consumers really loved about the brand and the drink. And that helped them set up future growth. So it's about learning from the mistakes and moving on. What's the future? I mean, new, uh, you know, Coke Zero Sugar, which has been, been it used to be Coke Zero. Um, has been a winner for you guys. I mean, you've seen some of this success more and more in that rebranding and in no sugar products. Is that more the future for soda, do you think? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I think we, we, we've seen the way forward that sodas and, uh, can continue to grow uh, with actually with the, with the sugar levels going down. So, you know, Coke, Zero sugar has gone from growing at low single digits a few years ago to mid to double digits, and now it's in the high teens. So we're really getting traction globally around some of the reformulations so that people can enjoy the, the drinks that they love but with less sugar. What is Coke's responsibility uh, in helping to fight and solve the obesity crisis in America and also globally? Because sugary drinks contribute to it, just like a donut contributes to it. I get that. But you've said, look, taxation, soda tax isn't the answer. You're not going to get the results. So what's, what's your responsibility as a company, do you think? I think we have to play our part, absolutely. And, and, and we're focused on trying to do that in a few ways. Firstly, by reformulating some of our uh, great-tasting drinks that people love and just taking the sugar levels down, bringing the consumers with us so that they, they, they still enjoy the taste, but bringing the sugar levels down. And we've got a lot of experiments going on around the world, Coke Zero Sugar mm -hmm. uh, being one of them. Um, we're investing in smaller packages. So if, you're gonna, if you want the classic original, hey, maybe a smaller size would be more appropriate for this occasion. So in the end, it's still less sugar, but the original uh, great taste. And then as we invest in research and development and innovate and create new drinks, we can create fundamentally less sweet drinks so it's those things that are helping us grow the business, but make the sugar decline. You actually, Coca-Cola as a company is on board officially with the World Health Organization guidelines saying limit the amount of sugar. Diabetes Care, which is a, a peer-reviewed journal, as you know, came out with a study a few years ago. It showed people that consume one to two sugary soft drinks a day have a 26% higher risk of getting type 2 diabetes. Um, how, are, how do you measure success on these initiatives for you guys as a company to fight epidemics in this country. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's as, almost as simple as how can we grow the business and have the absolute amount of sugar go down uh, and bring it down. Um, that's, that's as simple as, as it's going to have to be. So, the, so when you talk about new products, um, water, I don't think many people know this, water is a really big business for you guys. There have been some really big acquisitions made, Topo Chico, etc. How big will water be if we're sitting here in five years in your portfolio? I have no doubt that our water business will be much bigger. I think people don't realize uh, that we're actually one of the biggest water companies in the world, along with being the no. biggest juice company in the world and the biggest ready-to-drink coffee company in the world. 
But water is going to be a bigger business. There's a lot of energy going into uh, finding ways to have more interesting water drinks, um, whether it's the Topo Chico and the heritage and the flavor that comes with that uh, or the premiumness of smart water. So I think the water business is going to continue to be vibrant. More from my interview with Coca-Cola CEO James Quincy after the break. Food, as you know, your competitor, Pepsi, Frito-Lay, they have that part of the business. A lot of analysts say that's attractive to have that diversification. Your words when you were asked about this don't rule anything out. So you can't give me that same answer. So what's your answer on a potential food acquisition? I, as I said, a version of that is never say never. <laughs> no, no, no. That's your answer to my next question on an alcohol acquisition. Okay. Food, the, the reality is it's much easier for us to do more beverages. We have a, yeah, but you don't seem like a CEO who wants the easy route. No, I want the most successful route. <laughs> And uh, sometimes you've got to do the most obvious things first, even if people are saying over there uh, could make sense. So mm. we, we're focused on, you know, what is going to drive the, the best and most growth for the Coca-Cola company? We've got fabulous brands. We've got great know-how in beverages mm. and we've got the world's best distribution system. In some, some ways, it stick to your knitting until you run out that's of that That's interesting. Plate. So you think that's a little too much noise, chatter. Give us. OK. Um, have you ever had a Jack and Coke? Uh, of course. All right. Here's why I ask. Because when you were asked, okay, what about an alcohol acquisition or what about expanding the portfolio into alcohol, your answer, never say never. Never What's say never. What's your answer today? Well, my answer is still never say never, but it's, it's about how likely, how close in uh, is any acquisition uh, to what we currently have. Because acquisitions aren't just about can they make financial sense. But it's sense. a beverage, so it's not in the food space. Yeah, so it's closer in than food. But it's not as close in as ready-to-drink tea or ready-to-drink okay. coffee or Topo Chico. How do, does the, the way that I get my groceries, I'm sort of old school. I still drive to Whole Foods <laughs> Saturday morning with my daughter, who's getting increasingly difficult at two years old to keep in the cart at Whole Foods. But we do it. But I'm not like my millennial friends. I mean, they order all of their groceries online. You've got Walmart in the grocery business. You've got Amazon all over the grocery business in so many different ways. What is that going to mean for Coca-Cola pricing? distribution? It's, for sure, it's going to be different. In, 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 a, in a way, everything that we learned on how to be successful in the physical world, we need to replicate in the virtual world. Yeah. How do you appear on the, the screens where you order, whether it's a phone or a computer? How do you become available uh, in the online? Actually, we're making great progress. We tend to have a higher share online than we do even in the physical store. So we're, we're rethinking how we operate uh, in that new environment, but it's, but it's going to be different. Pricing? I mean, will those, will Walmart, Amazon being big players in grocery drive pricing down further, do you think? I, I don't know. They're, they're still in the business of creating value. I mean, ultimately, they're going to decide on the, on the, the ultimate consumer mm-hmm. price. But I think they'll have to be rational on their own pricing and their own economics in the long run. Let's talk about diversity at Coca-Cola. Um, you know, Mutar Kent, your predecessor, talked a lot about the importance of, of, of women. Let's talk about gender diversity first. Uh, under his leadership, you guys started the Women's Leadership Council. He talked about, look, 70% of our consumers are women. They're buying for them and they're buying for the household. What, what has that achieved, the Women's Leadership Council, in terms of pushing diversity at Coca-Cola? We made a lot of progress uh, internally. We, we're not satisfied with where we are mm-hmm. today. We've, we've got more to do, but we made a lot of progress. If you look at the statistics, we're probably in the general population, roughly in balance from a gender point of view. It's almost 50%, 50% of the employees. And in the senior management, we've, we've gone up for, you know, considerably in the last few years. So we've made a lot of progress. We're not happy with, 
where we are, we've still got more to do, and we, we measure it from me downwards, and we look at the metrics, how are we doing in absolute terms, and how are we doing for this, the rest of the industry, and we know we're 10 to 15 points of mix uh, better than the rest of industry. And that's in corporate, looking at your numbers, it really is 50-50 yeah. women, uh, women and men. Yeah. But when you look across all of, of Coca-Cola's entities, if you will, including North America, refreshments, business, it's not. It's, it's 80% men to 20% women. Um, it's 50% white, 21% African-American, which is far above the percentage of the population, 22.5% uh, Hispanic. What we'll say to you, James, okay, these numbers are finally where I want them to be across the board. It, it, I still think we've got work to do. I mean, the, in a way, we've got to be reflective of the population. I mm -hmm. mean, we're trying to, we, we are part of society and therefore we reflect society. So I think to the extent we diverge radically mm -hmm. from, from the population base, there's work to be done on inclusion uh, and diversity. And so I think it's going to be an ongoing uh, piece of work. One uh, thing that Mutar Ken said that I watched again recently that really struck me a few years ago, he was speaking, and he said, quote, in sales management and general managing, women are more effective. And I went back and I checked that <laughs> quote and I said, yeah, did he really say that? It was really interesting to me. Do you ascribe to that as well? Do you believe that there are areas where women can be more effective and why that parity is needed? I think I, I'm, I'm not sure if you go down the road of saying that women can be more effective in this, it means they're less effective in that. I think Everyone can be just as effective in the job uh, and all jobs. That's the way we're going to get to ultimate uh, inclusion. I know what he means sometimes with that, that quote. And you can translate. I can think of some people who are really, really good at uh, those jobs of female. But in the end, it's about inclusion. Uh, and it's about letting everyone know that mm -hmm. everyone is equally able to do all the jobs available. And if people could see the team sitting next to you today, three of the four people who came with you, high-ranking, are women. Uh, Warren Buffett. Of course, Berkshire Hathaway, Coca-Cola's biggest single shareholder, 400 million shares. He's important to the company, to say the least. I know you've spent some time with, with Buffett, and he, you know, I think people know that if he didn't approve of your becoming CEO, that's an important nod to get. Let's just say that. Um, tell me about your conversations with Warren Buffett. You know what? When, when, I, when I sit with Warren, the most interesting thing is how curious he is. He is. He is super curious. He asks lots and lots of questions not just on our business, but how we see the environment around ourselves. He's, he's certainly one of the most curious people uh, I've what ever is met. He, do you remember the first question he asked you when you were CEO? Uh, the first question he asked me, uh, there was, we, were, we were having dinner, he said, okay, what's happening with e-commerce in the U.S.? Oh, and this is from a guy who doesn't, know, isn't known to spend, doesn't have a computer in his office. He has a TV screen in his office. Yes, he I does. think it's a computer. I'm not sure And he how. plays bridge online at home. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's interesting. Um, when you look at him, he has said that if you take care of a great brand, it lasts forever. So what do you see as your primary charge taking care of Coca-Cola in his, you know, in his view? Yeah, I mean, I don't I think it's about you can't take things for granted. It's about complacency is the first step towards disaster. Hmm. You know, if you the Woodruff, one of the great leaders of Coca-Cola, say, you know, the future belongs to the discontented. If you become contented, you become complacent and then it'll all start going wrong. So you've got to go in every day saying, how can I keep polishing this brand? How can I make it a little bit better? Whether that's Coke or any of our other brands. As you know, Warren Buffett does business sometimes, big deals with 3G, a uh, private equity firm. And certainly there have been mumbles about whether or not Coke might be an acquisition target in a few years for 3G. It might make sense with what Warren Buffett's stake, et cetera, given the, the Heinz and Kraft deal. When you think about that, do you think about that 
What's your answer? What I think about is what's going to keep our investors happy. What, what would keep our investors happy with the stock as is? And I'm very clear on the answer, which is top line growth mm -hmm. and an expanding margin. So I'm super clear that everyone else can rumor on whatever they like, <laughs> but our shareholders are going to be happy if they're getting top line growth uh, with a better margin. Let them talk. Let them talk. That's your message. All right. So President Trump apparently drinks a dozen Diet Cokes a day. Did you know that? I've heard that. I can't say that I know that to be true. What do you make of that? <laughs> We, we, uh, we welcome all consumers. We're a very inclusive company on the inside, and we welcome all consumers on the outside. All right. Now, uh, more seriously on some policy issues that matter to you guys a lot on tax reform. Um, Coke and every big corporation in America gets a big benefit because of the tax law that was passed. You've talked about $22 billion overseas that Coke could tap if the president passed, you know, if, if Congress and the president passed this tax reform. It happened. What has the net result been for Coca-Cola so far? Well, we're still working. We're still working through a lot of our, a lot of the numbers. Uh, I'm not sure will we benefit on the top line number as much as some of the more domestically focused companies because our tax rate last year was 24 percent mm -hmm. on average. So there's not as big a gap as some of the more domestic companies. We got a lot of cash overseas, so to speak. Almost half of it is actually invested in other operations overseas. So the, 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 we're working through the numbers on what to do with it all. Uh, it's not that we were short of capital. Uh, yeah. to invest, but we're working through the details. Because in November you said, quote, it's not a short-term change. It's not like there's a big box of money out there that suddenly comes back and is reinvested in 2018. For us. For you. You saw what Apple did this week, bringing, you know, $200 billion back um, and announcing in tandem with it thousands of jobs being created. What do you see Coke doing? A, let's just start with on, on the job front. Do you think that this tax reform will allow coke to create more jobs in america so what i've talked about is how this create, will create jobs from our point of view is if this reform lifts the economic growth rate it will indirectly create extra demand for us why that way rather than some of the other companies because we virtually everything we make is local virtually everything that's sold in the u.s is made in the u.s virtually everything that's sold in france is made in france everything that's sold you in have 22 billion overseas but we we, we, we weren't short of money so, so we, it, it, it was, it was it a back. technicality, uh, and that's why I think it needed the territorial system reform. There's a slight reduction in the tax rate. We're still working through how to think about allocating that between investments uh, and the shareholders. But we've been investing all the way through. So we will continue to create jobs in the U.S. and elsewhere because it's fundamentally a local business. But you're not saying this will make us create thousands of new jobs. It's not like we go, we moved all these jobs to another country, and now we're going to okay. move them back again. The jobs were always here great blue-collar jobs in the Coke system, and they're still here, and they're going to be here. What about wages, wage increases? We've seen some wage increase announcements from some big corporations. We've seen some bonuses from big corporations. What does it mean for you guys in terms of wages? We're in the mix of deciding what to do, okay. uh, taking it all forward. Let we'll us say more on our earnings call. <laughs> okay, yes, I know, which is coming up shortly. Let Very us know. Um, Coca-Cola is a company that has been willing to take a stand on issues. Most recently, Coca-Cola signed on to this letter to leaders in Congress saying, come on, come up with a fix on DACA for so-called dreamers in this country by today, January 19th. It doesn't look like at this point, 14 hours before a government shutdown, it's going to happen. Um, how do you decide, yes, we as Coke are going to put our name behind these issues that, that do divide the country? Yeah, I, I think... The way we do it is we go back to what are the core values of the company and the, and the major brands. And, and, you know, we're a global company with global brands. We create a lot of local jobs, but we stand for, for a better world. And part of a better world is global trade, 
is inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. So we center policies we support and promote on you know, our core values on, on globalization, on, on inclusiveness, on equality, on f the, the benefits need to be distributed fairly. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do need to do what's right and humane. I have seen increasingly more and more CEOs uh, being willing to put their name out there, their brand out there, from Howard Schultz at Starbucks to what you guys have done on this and the travel ban. We'll talk about that in a moment. To Mark Benioff at Salesforce, you know, Facebook coming out and saying, these are issues that you know, James, CEOs wouldn't have touched 10 years ago. And something has changed. And I wonder what you think it is that, that our consumers demanding, especially young consumers, that they know what the company they're buying from stands for and stands behind? I think partly the bar on social conscience for, for brands and companies has gone up. So I think that's one yeah. part of it. I think the other part of it is you're in a much more transparent world. It's no longer going to work that, you know, CEOs call in the dark punt. back office punt. And, and, and punt or even call up and say, I don't agree with this. Actually, all communication is becoming much more transparent. So you're, you're actually in a way forced to just be public about what hmm. you think. Uh, on the travel ban, uh, Coke, as a, as a company, came out opposing the Trump administration travel ban a while ago. You said a brand has to stand for something and you have to make the choices of what you want it to stand for. Tell me about that decision. Yeah, it goes back to our core values on, on global, global, being a global citizen and being inclusive. Uh, you know, of course, there are people you don't want to go to have to go to any country. But I think blanket discrimination, blanket bans is not the way forward. I think we can be more targeted on fixing uh, problems that exist uh, on many fronts. Have you been to the White House since I you have. became CEO? I have not. Have you met with President Trump? No. Would you go to the White House? Would you advise the president? Uh, at the moment, I haven't got an invitation. Are you guys meeting in Davos? I, I haven't heard that he's confirmed. <laughs> You're going there. <laughs> I'm going. You're going there now. Uh, and finally, as we wrap up, because I know you have to get on a plane, just tell me a little bit about your upbringing. For people that don't know you, you, uh, you know, were raised in London. You went to actually study engineering. You quickly realized, not exactly my calling, <laughs> as did my husband, who went to study computer science and then ended up with a business degree. What well, told you I'm not the best at this, but business I think I can do? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 thinking electronics was the future in the early 80s was probably a pretty good idea. It just turned out when I got there, there were people better at designing semiconductors than I was. Mm. And I find I was more interested in the business side. So that's where I, that's where I ended up going. Day one at Coca-Cola for you, what, 20-some 20, 20 years ago? Yes. Uh, what was that like? Uh, what, were you, what was your job? I, I, was, I was effectively an internal consultant helping the Latin American group, and I right. joined uh, back in 1996. I mean, the company has changed so much mm -hmm. since then. Uh, you know, in, when I joined, I can remember we had, a, we had written our own email program. <laughs> we had our own systems of all sorts of things. So the company has changed very considerably uh, in the last 20 years. And then day one as CEO, what was that like? Day one, I mean, partly we'd already announced in December. So by the time we got to day one, it's like, oh, has it started? I thought that happened a but few months ago. But it's sort of ago. like, oh, I'm running like one of the most recognizable brands in the world. Yeah, you get, you get a lot of advice. I think the important thing is to think, you know, what am I going to do that's going to make a difference? Uh, I've got a mm -hmm. huge opportunity. You could see it as re the pinnacle of success, but actually success is when it ends. Did you do something that was worthwhile? So then finish this sentence for me. I will have succeeded at Coca-Cola as CEO, if or when, what? If the company and the people are better than when I started. But how do you measure that? 
I mean, that, that's that, not just the bottom line. That's not just no, how no. profitable you are. Are, are, the, are, the, are the employees more engaged? Are they feeling good about the, the training and the skills they've developed? Are they getting fulfillment in their jobs? Is the thing moving forward? Yes, is the bottom line there, but is the portfolio bigger? Are our partners successful as well? Are we doing the right thing in society? Does the, does the packaging collection uh, initiative work? Do we have a world without waste in 2030? Do you sit down and share a drink with the head of Greenpeace and you're both on the same page? Well, yeah, maybe. Finally, you've said the company must be capable of being bigger than the brand. What, what do you mean by that? Do you think too many people today still think of Coke as the red can and the soda? I think most people still think of Coca-Cola as the Coca-Cola company uh, and just the one brand. And I think our future being a total beverage company is about offering this choice. So that's why the company needs to become bigger than just the brand. Uh, because at some point, one day, probably in the not too distant future, Coke will let be less than half the revenue. But there's not a day without Coke, do you think? No, I don't think there's a day without Coke. Well, the world will be a smaller and somewhat sadder place if there were no Cokes. The best advice Mutar Kent gave you? The best advice he gave me, enjoy it. Enjoy it, because it can be so much pressure. Uh, yeah. James Quincy, thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boss Files. If you're a new fan of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. As always, you can follow me at CNN. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.